today I'm here with three researchers from the Open Data Institute. We've got Diana, Sonia and Ben, and we're going to be discussing a new research and development project called Sustainable Data Access. This is one of three projects uh, the ODI is running in the fourth year of their R&D programme. The project is still in the really early stages and we're just going to be discussing today what's happened so far, the problems the team are hoping to solve and what they hope to achieve by the end of the project in March 2021 and beyond that. For listeners as well who aren't familiar with the terms we're going to be using today, data institutions are organisations that steward data on behalf of others and these are often for public educational or charitable aims. So to start with, we're going to hear a little bit from Deanna about uh, the introduction to the project, what the background is, and why the ODI is the right organisation to be investigating it. Thanks, Izzy. It's good to be here. So we see data access initiatives emerging across different sectors of the economy to support innovation. And some of these are actually long-standing organisations that are set up for the purpose of increasing access to data for specific solutions. And at the ODI, we want to support initiatives that increase access to data in ways that are responsible and trustworthy. We also know that if these institutions are, are to provide continued access to data, they need to be financially viable in, in the long term. So we want to better understand how these data institutions become sustainable and, and help them on their journey. And this project builds on some previous research we have done earlier this year about some of the revenue streams that data institutions tend to adopt and we provided some initial recommendations. But now we are expanding this research in, in a number of ways. We are doing a more comprehensive review of specific types of data institutions. So for instance, since organizations that are maintaining collaborative databases like OpenStreetMap or Wikipedia or registration agencies like Crossref that make identifiers for research outputs available. And what this will help us with is to be able to just make more confident recommendations about the type of funding and revenue options that are available to these institutions. We are also investigating uh, some of the key costs of these organizations and how they might be able to minimize the costs involved in carrying out activities. And finally, we're exploring also the role of other actors like funders and policymakers to understand how they can support the sustainability of data institutions. Alongside this research, we're also really excited to be running the stimulus fund that directly supports data institutions in designing their revenue models and, and more broadly their business models. And this joint learning with them will help inform also some of the product development that we are planning to do later this year. All right, thanks for that. That was really that was really interesting, and I, and I know obviously for a lot of data institutions cost is a really important part for them and it's a really big barrier to to getting them off the ground in some cases so it'd be good to hear from from you Sonia if you could give us a little bit more background about that cost issue what the main financial problems they're facing are and talk about essentially the hypothesis for the for the project yeah sure 
So as uh, Diana mentioned, uh, data institutions like Data Trust need to be sustainable to achieve their purpose of increasing access to data in trustworthy ways. To make them financially sustainable, you can charge for data, but that goes against ODI mission. So you can look at all the ways of reducing costs. The ability to maintain financial capacity over time is also important for providing assurance to the data contributors and uh, users who invest time and uh, effort dealing uh, with data. Can we just get a, a little bit of a sort of definition on who the data contributors are and who the data users are in terms of a data institution? At the ODI, we understand data contributors as those people who contribute to the database uh, or a data set, either knowingly or unknowingly through the, the use of a service. And we, we understand data users as those who use the data to create things. And those could be products, services, analysis, insights, uh, or stories or visualizations. So based on this, uh, our initial hypothesis for the project is that if we provide a framework for selecting and understanding the impacts of different business models to support data access initiatives and data institutions, and um, if we identify the best approaches to reducing the cost involved in running them, and also if we develop tools for supporting the planning and delivery uh, for the different phases, that will support the effective adoption of uh, sustainable business models and cost structures, uh, but new or existing data access or uh, data access initiatives or data institutions. So this ultimately will contribute to increase access to data and improve trustworthiness in these types of, types of organisations. All right, thanks for that, Sonia. It's, it's, it's obviously, uh, people tend to think the no-brainer is, obviously, you can charge for the data, but it's really interesting to hear about how the ODI are finding all these other ways to try and save money, cut costs, and just reduce the financial pressure on the, um, on the data institutions and that's ultimately what, what we're hoping to achieve with the project. I don't know, Ben, if you want to if you want to add any more on on the achievements for the project. Ah, uh, yes, as Diana said in the the first question, we're exploring a combination of research, practical testing, and tools. So the the research, which the outcome of this will be a written report. We're doing desk research and interviews, and the the report will provide best practice case studies and patterns that we learn from existing data institutions and funders about their revenue models, costs and activities. This report should be a kind of useful bank for existing data institutions or for organisations who want to set up data institutions to see what others are doing. We'll be testing some of this and some of our findings through stimulus funds and this will give us an opportunity to explore the what we've been saying in a practical context. This will then lead on to the development of practical tools and guidance, which should be helpful to various data institutions at different stages of their life cycle. But the, the overall kind of goal of this is 
we want to see more and better data institutions and we want our work to kind of contribute to to the awareness of data institutions and to equip people so that they can understand and develop them better how how much would you how much would you say within the data institutions community that um that they are aware of the finance I mean obviously people in the data community understand if they're under financial pressure but is that one of the biggest barriers would you say that they're facing or is there a big data access sort of question or would you say price is a really really key key issue for them right now? So I think it's all linked and I think it all comes back to whether they have the time and money to be able to survive. So if there is a challenge in a sector of getting access to data, they're going to need to invest time in building those links with the people who have data to uh, employ the right people. Uh, You might need more technical specialists or uh, data scientists and people to scrape data or you may need somebody to support expensive initiatives to to build these bridges. All of these things cost time and money. And if there's there's not a sustainable revenue model, then it doesn't necessarily matter how good their access to to data is. If there's no money, they won't survive. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the crux of the problem really, isn't it? So I think we've 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 covered between between the the four of us the, the sort of the basis for the project what we hope to achieve it'd be really good now to to sort of delve into the research that's happened so far and and the research that happened prior to the start of this project um, in this financial year so I, I don't know if Sonia if you could if you could give me a little bit more information on if there's any key sectors we're looking to engage any key individuals any key organizations that'd be really good yes so in the first project we spoke to organizations such as Hilo, Music Brains, Tisa or Open Corporate just to learn what what are the challenges and advantages of uh, different revenue models for this year we are focusing on exploring the activities challenges costs and uh, business models adopted through different data access initiatives and data institutions. So we are trying to speak to similar organizations. We are focused on the UK industrial strategy themes of uh, healthy aging and clean growth. Okay, so that gives us a little bit of a, a background on on the sort of overall themes of the of the research. Now, I just I want to find out a little bit more about how the how this insight from that first project influenced this project. So, so Ben, would you be able to sort of talk me through what the main findings from that research were and how that's influencing this year's research? Yeah. So. The overall thing was that we learned that many data institutions have struggled to reach sustainability. This might be partly because data institutions are trying to deliver access to or use data for social purposes, which may exclude certain business models. So for example, um, if their entire ethos is about the open access to data because it delivers this value, they can't suddenly put it all behind a paywall um, and be like, well, we need to survive. So that makes it a challenge to build this in the same way 
businesses may not face these challenges. But we did know that, that some data institutions have been promoting the, the value of mixed or balanced revenue streams. Um, this includes commercial revenue from things like subscription fees, membership fees, offering bespoke products or premium tiers, which means that the, the underlying data set is open. But if you required require structured data or access to it via API, so you can run something off it, you may need to provide access. Do they ever uh, provide, provide um, consultancy on top of their, or would that make, or would that, or they're not in the right position to do that because it might, there might be a bias in there. Would that be a way of making money from it? Yes, some do provide consultancy, whether that's as a, an organisation or just some of the, the founding members who may be experts in their field. But then they can also rely on grant funding um, to a certain degree. So they may be able to get money to support the development of new products or new tools or develop their existing products. But some say that relying too heavily on grant funding makes things challenging grant funding can run out one of our interviewees in the first product said grant funding's fickle um so some people have been promoting the idea of a the balanced revenue stream which may be 75 percent uh commercial and 25 percent grant and this should make it a bit more resilient for for longer term um a, a final thing that we noticed was that data institutions change, their offering changes or the needs of the community might change. They may need to provide new products or different data. In order to do this, their revenue model must change with it. So you can't just sit and go, my revenue model is great. It's been great before. We're going to exist forever because they're very much a moving beast though, aren't they? I, the, the purpose of them changes, everything changes all the time. And obviously your, your business plan needs to, needs to reflect that essentially, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's a good thing. That means they're likely to, to develop and get better. Sorry for the beeping. <laughs> <laughs> From that, we've got a core body of, of research and some basic understanding of what's going on so now we're doing some more interviews with both data institutions and with funders at the time of recording we've done interviews with for this project with four institutions and two funders we've got more on the way and we want to do more and I think Sonia because you've been reading those so greatly would you like to to explain what we've learned from those interviews so far yeah, of course. Well, as you said, we are still conducting interviews, so we don't have solid insights. But some interesting points that we've come across is that in some ecosystems, uh, an element of philanthropic funding can be important to maintaining the neutrality of, the, of, of a data institution. A registry mentioned that technical development continues to, to be the most expensive thing to, be, to, to keep the registry running. And also something that we heard was that strategy work was mentioned as uh, something that has recently took uh, a lot of their, their time. 
Uh, so when, when you talk about the technical developments, does that mean the, the handling of the data, the, the sort of the cleaning of it, or is it a little bit more advanced than that? All of them. Okay. Probably a specific level up about uh, the, the platform. Okay. Does it have to be a bespoke platform for each data institution usually created by the, uh, by the organizations yeah. involved? Yeah. Okay. Normally that's the case. Also something that came up a lot was that listening to different stakeholders and making sure they are really hearing everyone out in the in the community can take a lot of time too. Uh, so that's something very that's very interesting. Um, we also heard from a relatively young institution that the most expensive activities are those that require extensive dedicated time and resources. So do um, I know obviously data institutions vary in their age and how long they've been going and whatever and their size. Is there, from the research you've done so far, is there a typical number of employees per data institution or is it it's not as clean cut as that? I don't we, know if, if you want to answer that, Sonia, if anyone else wants to jump in. Is there a dedicated number of employees working on a single data institution or is, is it various resources pulled in from different places? We haven't explored that uh, okay. further, but, but yeah, it seems like it could, it could vary if it's not uh, something static. Okay, sorry, um, you, you were saying? We, we also seen that one way of uh, minimizing the cost is by exploring in-kind services. So for example, pro bono uh, legal support. We've got further insights into what funders are thinking related this this issue, which uh, I believe Diana has more. Uh, sure. So as we've mentioned, we've only had a couple of interviews with funders, so we are not yet at the stage where we could point to any patterns or findings. But a couple of things that that uh, we've heard during these interviews is that that some funders might target their investment to the initial stages of, of setting up and scoping uh, a data institutions, but often they would be very keen to continue to provide advice and support even after the grant they have given has, has ended. So this kind of advice and support might take different forms. It might be strategic advice, for instance, by sitting, continuing to sit on an organization's board, it might be making connections uh, for the data institution uh, so that they can explore either further funding opportunities or opportunities for other types of support, for instance, supporting capacity development or support for finding a provider for their technical platform uh, that they are running. Some funders also mentioned that they would be very much open to considering further further funding if it was for the development of a new module or, or a certain project that will help advance the mission of the data institution, which is quite interesting to note. And then other thing that we are exploring, and again, we, we don't really have any conclusions yet on it, but 
our hypothesis has been that it is quite important for funders when they are making decisions about uh, their investment, whether they see that that organization has a way to become self-sustaining in the long term. And it seems from these couple of interviews that we have had so far that this, this is the case. It is something which is an important consideration for most of the funders. So I, I guess that's just that's just a securing their making sure their funding is going to the right place. I I guess right. That's yeah, and making sure that their their funding is leading to some kind of sustainable okay. and long term impact uh, by ensuring that the organization continues to to carry out that mission in the long term. All right. Uh, well, that's 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 a really good summary from everyone of of where where you've got to with the research so far. I know there's there's more interviews taking place in the next month or so, and I know the report is due to come out in September, which is going to sum up all the research we've, you've done so far. It would just be great if, to, to finish off then, to find out a little bit about what the next steps are in terms of, in terms of immediately with the research, longer term with, with the tools that you're hoping to develop, to develop, and then really looking forward to to what the next steps are for making data institutions sustainable. So as, as you mentioned, Izzy, uh, our immediate priority is to complete the interviews and to publish the findings uh, in, in September and to make sure that we are getting our ideas and recommendations out there and getting some feedback from data institutions as well as funders. And then we are really excited to, to uh, start working with the seven data institutions and initiatives that we are supporting through the stimulus fund. So this will allow us to experiment more and, and learn together. We also plan to broaden our reach by doing some additional user research later this year. So that will help us identify the more practical and concrete needs for tools and, and guidance. And then we'll finish off by prototyping and testing different tools and guidance materials, both for data institutions so that they can make better decisions about their revenue options and their business models. But also we are keen to explore whether any there is any kind of guidance or support material that we can that we could develop for funders and, and policymakers. So that's that's our plan for the rest that's, of the year. That's it. That sounds that sounds pretty big, pretty impressive. Well I, I think that's that covers covers everything so far, unless anyone else has got anything to add. No? All right. Well, well, thank you so much for listening. Um, we will be doing a series of these podcasts over the next nine months. We're probably going to do two more just to highlight um, where we are at different stages of the projects. But uh, if you want to find out more information, please head over to the ODI website where you can learn about this project, the other R&D projects and all the seven winners of the stimulus fund. Um, we would love to hear from you. So get in touch using the contact form below.